Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Howdy, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting with Mara Welton, who serves as the Director of Programs for Slow Food USA. We're going to dig into some of the incredible work that Slow Food does to support local and regional food systems. We're going to talk about Mara's seasonal food truck, and then we're going to play a round of chili pepper trivia. It's a hot and spicy episode, so be sure to stick around. Here on the home front, it has been as busy as ever. I just got back from a whirlwind tour of Wisconsin and Illinois promoting my new book, Grow Great Vegetables. It was super fun, but uh, I'm excited to be back at home. If I had to pick a highlight from the trip, I don't know. Uh, well, I got to see my old CD friend, Carrie, over in Appleton. She put together a big garden expo event. That was a blast. Um, I went to this cool little Asian market in Green Bay. That was fun. Uh, I tried their green papaya salad. It was a little spicy, so I had to go back for some rice, but it, it was good. Uh, I've never had anything like that before. Honestly, I really enjoyed the boat ride across the lake. I took the ferry from Muskegon, Michigan over to Milwaukee. It was about two, two and a half hour trip, but oh man, it was peaceful and I got to get some writing done, so that was nice. I got a big project in the works right now for Timber Press. And my deadline is creeping up on me quick. So uh, I've been extra busy this spring, to say the least. Now, before we start with Mara, I just want to say a big thank you to those of you that have left us reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the podcast from. We really appreciate the feedback. And having those reviews actually makes it easier for folks to discover the podcast. So that support really means a lot to us. Speaking of support, another big thanks to the folks that have joined our Patreon community, even for as little as $3 a month. Your patronage helps us to cover the cost and time involved in recording, editing, and hosting the show and we wouldn't be able to keep doing this without your support. So thank you again. If you'd like to support our show, you can find the link to our podcast at seedsandweedspodcast.com. And as always, I'll put the link down in the show notes. All right, let's go chat with Mara. Mara Welton is a farmer, chef, community organizer, and director of programs for Slow Food USA. Mara is actively involved in a number of Slow Food's most impactful programs, including the Plant to Seed campaign and the Ark of Taste. Today, Mara is sitting down to talk about her work with Slow Food, the food truck that she runs with her husband that celebrates the flavors of the American Southwest, and then we're going to play a round of chili pepper trivia. Mara Welton, welcome to the show. This is so cool having you on the podcast. Bevan, I've been wanting to talk to you forever. This is such a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Now, to get us started, you're the Director of Programs for Slow Food USA, and that's really where I want to focus the conversation. But first, when I was prepping for the interview, I saw that you're also the co-owner of something called Chili Colorado, and I'd really like to dig into that first. Can you tell us more about Chili Colorado? Totally. Yeah. Chili Colorado is my little food business that I've got on the side here. Um, I, my husband and I are originally from Denver, Colorado, and uh, we migrated east looking for water um, because we're farmers. And in the Southwest, there's not a lot. It's the high desert plateau. So it's um, hard farming if you don't have land and water. So we kind of kept marching east, ended up in Vermont. And here uh, we had a small farm for about 16 years. And during that time, we were on the floodplain and we had a big flood event um, that happened and ended our farm season, but we had harvested everything. We were like, well, what can we do with all this food? Because it ended our farm season early that year. And we were like, you know, this looks like 
food from home, food from the Southwest. And so we started a little catering business to sort of get through that crazy flood period that ended our farming season that year. And we called it Chili Colorado uh, to honor the dish called Chili Colorado um, and also to honor our home state. So it's, you know, traditional foods of the Southwest, like uh, smothered burritos and um, enchiladas and things like that. And we sort of backburnered the business later once our, our farm came back online. And then during the pandemic, we actually had sold our farm in 2019 and then took a year off. And before the pandemic began, we were like, you know, we really just love cooking for people and feeding people. Can we maybe resurrect Chile, Colorado? So it ended up being uh, just a an incredible little business to have during the pandemic. We do, we do home delivery and we still do it. We do it every, every week. Wow. That's awesome. That sounds like so much fun. It's really great to cook for people and share a little piece of myself with my community up here in the Northeast. Man, that's so cool. All right. Now for our listeners that aren't familiar, could you maybe give us a short elevator pitch on what Slow Food USA is all about and your role there as director of programs? So Slow Food USA is the national organization based on Slow Food International's uh, mission statement, which is to work with people um, and plants and the planet to make sure that everything that, you know, all everything in the food chain is created in a good, clean and fair way that respects the people that grow it, the people that harvest and, and, and produce food, but also the animals they work with, the seeds that they work with and um, the people who they work with. So good, clean and fair practices are used throughout. Um, so Slow Food USA is the national, like I said, the national um, organization under Slow Food International and Slow Food USA has about 85 chapters across the country. And in my role, as director of programs, I oversee the programming for all of the chapters um, and provide opportunities for them to engage with the larger mission statement of good, clean and fair food for all. Okay. So now the scope of Slow Food, it's very large. There's things like the Architaste, the Youth Network, school garden programs, there's Slow Fish, Slow Wine, Slow Meat. There are so many different things happening. Do you think that it would be fair to say that even at this large of a scale, that Slow Food at its heart would still be a grassroots organization? Uh, great question. Yeah, I do. Because because it's a it's a million person movement worldwide um, in the U.S. and in every place actually across the globe that all of the chapters are volunteer run and volunteer organized and the national offices that sort of oversee and support those chapters um, are really just there as like a guiding and supporting entity essentially and the chapters themselves are started by people that see a need in their community to bring this message and this structure around um, dealing with your environment and the issues issues around food in your in your community. Yeah, absolutely. It is probably one of the largest grassroots organizations in the world that centers solely on all the aspects around food. So all of these different chapters, then um, they're kind of they're unique. They operate in different ways. They do. They all have to have. So a chapter has to have a board uh, that's about five people or so that create programming or create opportunities to bring a slow food message to their community. But also they're looking for whatever the needs are in their community that give them a reason for for being. So some some slow food chapters are really focused on school gardens, for example, because they really see a need to create and expand the realm of school gardens in their community. Some chapters are really focused on uplifting restaurants in their community that are, you know, really doing the 
the hard work of running a good, clean and fair establishment and uh, being values based rather than solely financially based and economically based. So um, it totally depends on the chapter and their community and what that community really needs support wise. And so Slow Food usually comes in and says, hey, we can do programming around this and we can bring people in and provide an opportunity for folks to engage uh, with their community around food uh, in that specific way. And I always like to tell people, you know, Slow Food is huge. It's a, it's a massive movement and there's lots of ways to engage. And I sort of see slow food as a wheel and the very central axle point of that wheel is good, clean and fair. And there's a million spokes to that wheel. So how you get to that good, clean and fair is your own journey because we all come to slow food in a different way. You know, maybe you're a grower and you're really interested in the biodiversity work that slow food had going on. Or maybe you're a chef and you really want to engage with a community of chefs who try really hard to do good, clean and fair practices in their restaurants. You know, it totally depends on how you come to Slow Food. But once you're here, the community is so vast and so large and so supportive of this hard work of being a conscious human in the world of food on the planet. I love that. And I would think that with all these different ways to engage with Slow Food, um, it really allows these different chapters to really address the needs of their community as opposed to more of a cookie cutter type of thing if it was the same for everybody. Exactly. I think you got it. Now, one of the programs that's at the core of the Slow Food mission is the Arc of Taste. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the Arc of Taste, what it is, and why it's so valuable? Oh, yeah. Thanks. Arc of Taste is how I, that was my spoke of the wheel. That's how I came to Slow Food. Um, as a grower, I was always so fascinated by interesting and delicious uh, varieties to bring to my customers. And so the Arc of Taste is one of those things that really is an invitation to engage with interesting, distinctive, and delicious varieties of food out there in the world. It's a catalog um, that is a living catalog, and it has like, I, I believe, around 6,000 items on it worldwide. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the projects of Slow Food that is a, a global activation. So it, no matter where you are in the world, there's an Arc of Taste item that represents your region, most likely. So here in the U.S., we have over 300, I think it's almost 400 items now on the Arc of Taste. And the catalog is sort of oriented regionally, which is really kind of a nice way to engage with it. So if you're in the Northeast or if you're in the Midwest, you know, there's a catalog already curated on the Soul Food USA website where you can go through and sort of see see the items that have been um, nominated to the Arc of Taste for, for their qualities, for their history, for their story, for their place in the local regional community. It's not just limited to fruits and vegetables. There's animals, there's seafood, there's grains, there's some specific types of foods that are on the Arc of Taste. And I like to say that it's important to your point, to your question, uh, the Arc of Taste is important because it helps us remember where we came from, you know, and where these foods, how these foods have gotten us to where we are today. And it's really good to remember your ancestors. And also, these are foods that can be on your plate today or tomorrow, you know, if only you choose to seek them out and find them. And there's tons of growers throughout the network that are growing a lot of these foods for us and putting them on our plates. So uh, we really encourage folks to check out the catalog learn something new, learn the story of some of these foods and engage with them wholeheartedly. Now, one of my favorite programs that Slow Food USA puts together every year is the Plant a Seed campaign. Um, and, you know, Small House Farm, we've been lucky enough to participate as a seed supplier uh, for the campaign a couple different times now. But either way, could you tell us just more about it so we can learn about what the Plant a Seed program is? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's one of my favorite things as program director to pull together year to year. Uh, the Plant a Seed campaign is in its seventh year this year, and um, it's an annual campaign. It's 
all year long, but we launch it this time of year, every year in April. And it used to just be like a way for us to get Ark of Taste seeds out into people's hands. And this time, this year and last year, we decided to focus on um, a specific crop that had a lot of biodiversity within that group to use that crop sort of as the excuse to talk about larger thematics. So last year it was beans, this year it's greens, and we used beans and greens this year to talk about climate, climate adaptation, also nutrition. And um, this year we're talking a lot about biological and cultural diversity and the communities that celebrate greens. We're going to be highlighting and featuring their stories more this year. But the kit this year features seven varieties of greens, all different groups of greens like um, amaranths and mustards and brassicas and collards and a fun one this year that's new to the Ark of Taste, something called sea kale. But it's an opportunity to dive deep in a crop and um, for every kit that it gets sold, one kit automatically goes to the um, a school garden. So this year we produced 800 kits and it's 400 got purchased and 400 went to school gardens across the country. That's super cool. So there is so much happening in the slow food USA world. What's next? Where do you see the organization going from here? What's the next big thing on the agenda? Oh my gosh, we're about to go into a strategic design process. Um, so I we're in process right now, but I can tell you that climate is um, really big in the conversation. Um, it's becoming sort of a, a critical <laughs> a critical topic for all of us to be very seriously talking about. And I see a little bit more policy work in our future. I see more um, cross-border education and engagement with our neighbors. So we're actively trying to find some collaborative opportunities with our Canadian neighbors and our South and Central American neighbors to do more together. Because I think, you know, during the pandemic, we were so, so isolated. And one of the things that slow foodies like to do is get together and gather and eat together and do things together. And, you know, that was very difficult during the pandemic for all of us. But our network was really, you know, really challenged by the pandemic. So we're looking for opportunities to sort of go big, go big with our global community and engage more cross borders. So the more to come on that. But uh, one of the first sort of forays into that is doing more with uh, the seeds. We're going to go global with our seed summit this this uh, winter coming up in November. I'm really excited about that. A 24 hour global seed marathon is the, the concept that we're coming up with. And then also we have a lot of slow fish activations happening right now that goes hand in hand with the climate conversation as well. So our oceans are so crucial and important to us. And I think that the conversations around ocean health and seafood bycatch and, you know, how how do we engage with slow fish from a global perspective? Um, we're creating some more parameters around that so that we can um, do the work together and expand it beyond these little slow food silos of, you know, the, the, the thematics that we have. We want to do more together across all of the all of the programs. Lots of exciting stuff. I'm particularly excited about the Slow Seed Summit, a 24 hour seed marathon. How could you not be excited about that? Right. Oh my gosh, it's going to be wild. All right. Now, since we've got you here, Mara, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. I was so inspired by Chili Colorado that I think that we should play a round of chili pepper trivia. Oh yeah, I'm on it. I got four questions, multiple choice. They're all chili pepper themed, and we're going to see how well you actually do know your chili peppers. Um, You ready to play? I am so ready. All right. First question. We all know that the spice from a chili pepper comes from the chemical capsaicin, but where is the majority of capsaicin found? Is it an A, the seed? B, the leaves, C, the white membrane holding the seeds, or in D, in the salsa that you make with the pepper? The membrane. 
You got it. It's it's C. And that's why when I'm recommending uh, people wear gloves when they're doing their seed saving, because that's the part of the pepper that we're going to touch. And if you get that capsaicin on your fingers, it's dangerous stuff. Well, and you can even see it if you're paying attention when you're slicing your chili peppers. You can see the vein of orange, which is the capsaicin running through the membrane. And it's just it's just right there taunting you. Taunting you. <laughs> All right. Here's the next question. What is the method that we use to measure the heat of a spicy pepper? Is it a Spiceometer, B, the Scoville scale, C, Dragon scale, or D, the Scottsville spice barometer. I want all of them to be a pseudonym for Scoville. I think they were all perfect, <laughs> but it's Scoville. You're right. That was an easy one. And the Scoville was developed by Wilbur Scoville in 1912. So they've been using that to measure the heat of chili peppers for a long time. Amazing. Yeah. It's such a funny, it's a fun one, but it gets up there, you know, into the millions of, <laughs> of units. I think we need to sort of an exponential gradation at this point. I do. I think we need to bring out the spiceometer. Spiceometer. All right. Now, people all over the world love chili peppers, um, but where are the plants actually from? Are chili peppers native to A, Asia, B, Africa, C, Alaska, or D, South America? It's for sure South America. It's one of our new world beauties. You're absolutely right. It's D again. Chili peppers are native to South America um, and the area of the world known as Brazil and Bolivia being the most likely native regions of the plant. Here's your last question. And it is not a multiple choice. This is a tricky one. What is the name of the adorable cartoon penguin created by artist Paul Smith in 1953, who starred in 50 animated shorts alongside such characters as Max the Polar Bear and Wally Walrus? Well, it's Chili Willy, of course. I was cheating because it only says the word chili. It has nothing to do with peppers at all. But you got it. It's Chili Willy. I always love little Chili Willy. That's awesome. All right. Your final score is four out of four, which means you are a chili pepper expert. Thank you so much for playing Chili Pepper Trivia. I love it. I love it. I feel like that that was made for me. It was designed for Mara's. You nailed it. You nailed it for sure. It looks like that's all the time we have today. So for folks that want to learn more about Slow Food USA and the many ways that you're ensuring that all people can eat food that is good for them, good for the people who grow it, and good for the planet, where do they find the links online? Slowfoodusa.org. That's awesome. Mara Welton, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Bevan. This was the best part of my day. All right, that's another show in the books. Thanks again to Mara Welton for joining us today, and big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to our Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. This show was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm, and the music you're listening to right now is Happy Cooking from MFE. All right, thanks again, my friends, and we'll see you next time. Howdy friends, Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the Whole Seed Catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.